everyone, this is Jenna. This season, I am recommending the book Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Many, if not all of you listening, know her story even if you just learned her name. In 2014, Chanel was sexually assaulted by Brock Turner on Stanford University's campus. Her court case, and more importantly, her victim impact statement, swept across the United States and brought attention to the cruelty she and endless other survivors endure at the hands of society, the court, and their perpetrator. Know My Name is an autobiographical account of Chanel's trauma, healing, and court journey. In this book, Chanel does not shy away from the impact her assault had on her. She does not protect readers from the violence of her trauma in the immediate aftermath of her assault or in the years that followed. Throughout this book, Chanel is unwaveringly brave. Readers who pick up this book must also be brave. Brave enough to not look away, brave enough to be kind to themselves, and brave enough to honor her story. Know My Name is also a story that is beautiful and strong right from the cover. The cover art is inspired by a Japanese artistic philosophy known as Kintsugi, or gold repair. Kintsugi teaches that there is beauty in scars or broken pottery by filling in cracks and holding pieces together with gold. Kintsugi shows us that although an object cannot be returned to its original state, fragments can be made whole again. I believe that Chanel's story contains something for everyone. At the WGAC, we know that survivors often find solace and healing by sharing their story. Chanel relays her story in ways that only a survivor can recognize and appreciate. As we often hear from our Friday support group, what many survivors want is to be in community and sometimes rage with other survivors. They don't want pity or platitudes. Chanel offers neither. Chanel's story is brutally honest. Some survivors may find the depictions of her assault and its aftermath too triggering. If you have to take a break, please know that by putting your well-being and your journey first before this contents of this book, you are being brave. Reading this book was an incredibly cathartic experience for me. Each time I put the book down, I gave it a hug. The hug was for Chanel, for everyone who supported her, and for every survivor out there. And in some ways, it was for me. Hugging the book was just the instinctual act that I felt was appropriate for the gravity of the story. I did also cry several times throughout this book and had to tell myself that it was okay to take a break for a minute, a day, or a week, and then return. This book is not a sprint, or at least it wasn't for me because Chanel's journey wasn't a sprint. It was an ultra marathon. Here's some advice Chanel has for your marathon. The journey will be longer than you imagined. Trauma will find you again and again. Do not become the ones who hurt you. Stay tender with your power. Never fight to injure, fight to uplift. Fight because you know that in this life, you deserve safety, joy, and freedom. Fight because it is your life. In addition to the emotional companionship she offers, the detail Chanel goes into about the court system is an incredible resource. I think survivors who have gone through the judicial system will find it validating, and those who are considering it will find it eye-opening. Chanel has faithfully recorded the emotional and procedural task of navigating the judicial system, such as the long waits between hearings, the games perpetrators and their lawyers play, the occasional revolving door of advocates, and the work it takes to prepare for the witness stand. 
In many ways, advocates like myself will do everything in our power to support and prepare survivors for the reporting process, and it still won't be the same as the preparation and support provided by this book. Chanel's intimacy with her experiences provide the reader with a roadmap to what could happen if a survivor's case goes to trial. For people who need or want to understand, this book provides an in-depth view on the roller coaster that it is to be a survivor. And while we all know that no story is the same, similar themes can be found in most survivor stories. Themes of strength, vulnerability, support, hope, injustice, and justice are all present in Chanel's book. I experienced these acutely as I read the book and hope that all others do as well. In addition to the emotions she felt throughout the court case, a unique thing that Chanel does exceptionally well is relate the dissonance she experienced between herself and her body, which is a topic we often hear from survivors about. Chanel writes, I had fallen into the habit of neglecting my body, often forgetting to feed it, and when I was assaulted, I refused to even look at it. Now my body was saying, you have to listen to me. You have to respect my needs. We have to work together or you will end up hurt. By writing this book, Chanel has potentially saved thousands, if not more, from telling their story over and over again. My hope in recommending Know My Name is that survivors will find a comfort and validation in it and that non-survivors can respectfully read it and reflect on the learning opportunity they have been provided. I also hope that survivors are able to see some of their own strength in Chanel and parallels in their journeys. I will leave you with this from the afterword of Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Everything I need to get through this, I already have. Everything I need to know, I already know. Everything I need to be, I already am. This time around, I'm going to do something a little different for my recommendation. You may have heard our interview with Sonia Renee Taylor in another episode talking about her book, The Body is Not an Apology. But she also wrote another book called Celebrate Your Body and Its Changes Too, the ultimate puberty book for girls. And because I was so impressed with Sonia while she was here, I took the book home and read it with my two younger kiddos. It sparked some great conversations about their bodies, how their bodies might change, and who is able to touch their bodies. So today, rather than you all hearing just from me about why this book is good and important, I brought in two experts on their own bodies, my 12-year-old Danny and my 10-year-old Maggie, to help me talk to you about why books like these are good to share with kiddos. Welcome to the studio, Danny and Maggie. What do you think about being here with me today? Normally, we would be doing this in a studio, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about what we're having to do right now? We have to stay at home to stay safe and keep other people safe so that we can save the world or something. Okay. We are stay-at-home superheroes. Oh, okay, so before we go too far, would you like to introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you? I'm Danny. I'm 12 years old, obviously. I'm non-conforming. What does that mean? I don't, uh, my pronouns are they, them, and I don't really have a gender. Okay. And I love to cook and play soccer and basketball. Cool. I'm Maggie. I'm bisexual, which means I like boys and girls. I like to make art, and um, I like baseball. Thank you for sharing with our listeners a little bit about you. All right, so let's tell our listeners a little bit about the book, okay? What did you think about the book? 
I think the book was a little pretty easy to read because um, it was nice and colorful and it like drew attention to what you would actually be doing and it had pictures to know to let you know um, how it all worked if you didn't get it. What was your favorite part? So it taught us about how important hygiene is and how important it is to take care of our body and feed it the right stuff. How about you, Mags? I don't have a favorite part. Who do you think should read books like this? Uh, Younger girls that haven't had their periods yet. Okay. I think more of the younger generation, but also if... It's a really interesting book, so I think it could be fun for all ages, but and it doesn't necessarily have to be for girls. If you're a man or non-conforming, or I'm not going to assume anyone's gender here, but um, it's fun for all genders, um, and I think a lot of people would like it a lot. Was it helpful that you got to read it with an adult who answered questions that might have come up? Yes, it very, it very much was. I mean... I don't know what it would be like if I didn't read it with an adult, but yeah, I think it was helpful. Okay. Anything else that you might want to tell our listeners before we go? The book is a little awkward to read. It's um, just part of the puberty process, and it some of the pictures are a little... Disturbing? Disturbing. It's a good book. I think y'all should read it. Um, it really, it says that your, um, that puberty and your period is kind of like a train, and you should keep that in mind, and remember that people's bodies go at different rates, so if, like, your friend who's, like, the same age as you gets their period first, um, don't worry, you're gonna get yours, but if you don't, then don't worry. Thank you so much for sharing with our listeners a little bit about the book. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering how to talk to some younger folks about how bodies work and how menstruation happens and things to expect during puberty, we highly recommend Sonia Renee Taylor's Celebrate Your Body. That's for sure. I loved hearing from you both. I just may have to share this book with my own kids. Hey, listeners, it's Victoria. Now, there's no easy way to transition from celebrating our changing bodies back to interpersonal violence. I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. For this episode, I'm recommending a documentary that tells a survivor's story in her own way, in her own words. I believe that stories have power, especially when they're told by the people who lived them. Hearing the stories of other survivors can help you take ownership of your own story and share or not share in whatever ways you choose. This 2017 documentary is entitled Allison, A Tale of Monsters, Miracles, and Hope. It's not often that I watch shows or movies about interpersonal violence because my advocacy work and my own survivor identity can make them quite triggering for me. However, although Allison's story is a hard one to see and hear because of the extreme violence she experienced, I found myself oddly comforted and hopeful at the end of the film because of how she tells her story. The film uses striking imagery throughout, like a star-studded night sky and butterflies flying across the screen, which give a beautifully haunting quality to the images you see on screen. I struggled at first with the beauty of certain effects in the midst of such horror, 
but I ended up really appreciating the way Allison chose to make meaning out of her story. I think that many survivors struggle with this balance because interpersonal violence and its aftermath are neither easy nor pretty. But for many survivors, it can help the healing process to search for beauty and meaning in those experiences that, in very real ways, destroy your entire life. Allison describes feeling disconnected after her attack, like she didn't care about anything anymore. She also mentions that even 25 years later, she still experiences triggers that take her back to that night. As survivors, we know that trauma often leaves us feeling numb, and we definitely know that healing doesn't have a timeline. It can help to hear this sort of validation from another survivor, and it may help remind you that you're not alone. After some time, Allison realized her disassociation was, in a way, giving her perpetrators power over her life. She thought, just as she did after the assault, that she must choose life and find her way out of the dark. Allison chose to find purpose and healing around her experiences, and she went on to become a motivational speaker and author, offering ways to navigate healing after trauma. Allison's healing journey may offer hope for survivors who are struggling to find their own way out of the dark. It may feel supportive to hear someone speak about the ways trauma impacted their life and emotions, especially if you can relate to those feelings. What's more, Allison can help you think about how to tell your story in your own way, if or when you're ready. I want to offer a trigger warning for Allison's story. Please know that she does not gloss over any of the details of her attack, which includes sexual assault and extreme physical violence. But the depictions of violence are done with sensitivity. The viewer gets the full impact of the attack without the typical Hollywood exploitation of violence for its own sake. If you choose to watch the film, I encourage you to perform self-care and prepare yourself to hear a difficult story, but also know that the film has a fairy tale quality to it, and the goal in the telling is healing. This is the way Allison chose to tell her story, and again, there is power in it. Allison runs just under one hour and can be found on Amazon Prime. That's all for this episode of We Believe You, Advocacy, Resources, and Healing Around Interpersonal Trauma. Please remember that the WGAC is here to provide support for all CSU students 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. To reach an advocate, you can call 970-492-4242. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's W-G-A-C at colostate.edu. For more information about advocacy and the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, go to www.wgac.colostate.edu. You can also find the WGAC on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. A big thank you to Xavier Hadley for creating the music used in this podcast and to our partnership with KCSU here at Colorado State University. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Thank you so much for listening.